ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Section K podcast. Today is Monday, May the 4th. On today's episode, we welcome a pair of WPRA world champions and an author of Amazon top-selling book, Heart of a Champion. Donnie Taylor and Larry D. Guy sit down with the Section K podcast this week to talk some mental performance and how to maintain that mental toughness, whether you're in the roping arena, in the cutting pin, or just living your life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode of the Section K podcast. (laughs) Well, May is here and springtime is here, and with that, breeding season is in full swing. And if you haven't made the decision on where to have your breeding done, look no further than Brazos Valley Stallion Station. The roster of stallions at Brazos Valley Stallion Station, located in Stephenville, Texas, is shaping the performance horse world with its unique stallions representing the cutting, cow horse, roping, and barrel racing industries. The skill and experience of the entire staff and the one-of-a-kind facility provide a vital center to ensure your breeding success. For a complete listing of stallions and more information, please visit www.brazosvalleystallionstation.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Section K podcast. This week, we bring you two very special guests. First, I want to introduce to you the 2016 WPRA world champion tie-down calf roper and the author of Amazon top-selling book, Heart of a Champion, Donine Taylor. We also welcome a 2020 Cowboy Hall of Fame inductee and eight-time WPRA world champion, Larry D. Guy. Ladies, welcome to the Section K podcast. How are we doing today? Great, thanks. Yeah, doing great. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, taking time during this quarantine, during the COVID-19. Um, hopefully, the both of you are staying safe. Larry D., I've noticed on social media, you guys have kind of been doing some cowgirls in quarantine, cool stuff. That's been fun to watch, some good entertainment uh, during the, the COVID-19 pandemic. So how, first and foremost, how, how have the two of you both been dealing with uh, the pandemic that's been going on? Well, just like you said, um, around here, we've been getting a lot of roping done and a lot of young horses ridden and lots of uh, cleanup done. I said I I really out there rodeoing and going so much, I forgot how how uh, much how much uh, stuff I had to do around here and and what work really felt like. So I've been uh, I've been at it pretty good. It's been it's been good around our place too. Um, I live in a real little town, and I've uh, I've had the opportunity to really work with some other coaches that I have. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to work with because they would have been out on the road um, doing things. And so I've been able to connect and and deepen and, and widen widening my inner circle. And um, in the lab, learning learning lots, getting to ride. Certainly, we'll. First and foremost, before we kind of dive into Heart of a Champion and uh, kind of the premise of the book and, and your purpose in writing the book, uh, Donine, first kind of tell us a little bit about you and uh, where you come from and uh, kind of just a little bit about yourself. Well, I grew up in Rapid City, South Dakota, and always had horse, always, always, always had something to ride and um you know, I'm real thankful, grateful to my folks for always making sure I had I had a nice horse to ride. And I just moved on up, you know, through the play days and 4-H and high school rodeos and collegiate rodeos and, and had some success, a lot of success in the goat tying. I really struggled with the roping for a really long time. And, uh, you know, after, after I graduated college, um, I graduated from Chagrin State in Chagrin, Nebraska. Um, got a, a bachelor of science in education degree in physical education and coaching and and never never taught never taught um, worked worked a lot of different jobs and I, I I tell about those in the book and you know my life was was pretty rodeo less rodeo less well I, is that I don't know if that's a word but <laughs> we'll accept no it <laughs> okay okay for like about ten years I I didn't rodeo I you know. Um, Poor marriage, got divorced, um, but then after about ten years, I, 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 I got remarried and, and had a child. And man, that dream in my heart to to become a world champion it had never left. It really started to bubble up again, and and that's where my life really started to get good. Is when I when I started following following my heart. 
which is then when you became acquainted with Larry D, I would assume, and, and you guys got together and, and began helping each other, correct? Well, shucks. I, you know, I, I struggled a lot um, from like 90. I mean, when I started rodeoing, it, it, it was a struggle. I, I didn't. I didn't take off. I, I still was missing a lot of the skill sets that I needed, the horsemanship skill sets. Um, a lot happened between, um, you know, getting back into the into the rodeo arena and meeting Larry D. Um, I, I went to rehab a couple times because I'm not a quitter. I went back <laughs> for uh, OCD and anorexia. I, uh, I I did a I did a lot of self. A self growth, a lot of a lot of internal work, and then when I did finally, finally um, begin working with Larry D, I, 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 you know, I think I, I, uh, you know, I got to know Larry D, knew who she was, um, visit just hi, how you doing back like in two thousand and seven, and but didn't go to her school until two thousand and thirteen. And then things really started getting good for me. <laughs> so, Larry D, give us a little bit of background on yourself and uh, how your path has been to get to today. You know, um, I'm blessed. Um, I live on a ranch in Abilene, Texas. This is where I was born and raised. And we have 10,000 acres. We work cattle all the time. Both my mom and dad, um, Rodeo, my brother, he went to the NFR in the calf roping. Um, you know, like I, I grew up just with, with everything that I needed and, you know, the, I guess the only thing that, you know, maybe sets me apart is a lot of people that grow up like that don't work as hard because they don't really have to. And, and I was a little different. Um, I, I was left-handed. I wasn't real coordinated. Um, I had, um. I had a hard time trying to figure out how to do things. So my work ethic was uh, pretty strong. I, I learned I learned how to work as a young kid because I had to work at everything. My brother was three years older than I was, and you know he could beat me at everything, and I just wasn't going to have that. So I worked hard enough to not let him beat me at anything. So um, I guess that's how I grew into what I am. Is I just I just learned to work and study the sport and kind of like Don Eno mentioned or say is I asked for help. I mean, I, I tried to figure out every way to do everything better than anyone else. So, you know, I would say that's how, you know, I, I become what I, I am now, I guess. And you put on a lot of clinics and, and you still compete and rope to this day. Yeah, you know, I, I love doing the clinics in the schools. I love to give back, and I try to explain it and help people and bring in people like Donine to give, you know, a little extra edge because it was so hard for me to learn and to get where I was good at it that I want to give it to people. I want to give back to people and help them to learn easily and, and give them, you know, like she said, a skill set different different skill sets to to work at and get better faster than I did I mean it was it was really hard on me I've had a couple back surgeries elbow surgery stuff like that just because I worked I, I roped over and over I mean mine was repetition of I, I just had to figure it out and I want to give people an opportunity to know how and then work at that instead of just having to figure it out well, Donine is a certified mental performance coach. Um, she coaches athletes with tried and true proven strategies that help them close the gap between where they are and where they want to be. Donine, um, talk a little bit about just what drove you and motivated you to collect all your thoughts and kind of put them all together in the form of a book. Getting to know Larry D and getting to know Larry D's heart. And you just heard what she said. She wants to impact. She wants to help others. She wants to make it easier for others to learn the skill sets. That was the premise of the book, was to share to share my journey and, and my stories. But but more, more than just sharing the stories, sharing what I learned from the stories. 
giving them the reflection of what I learned, and then providing them the mental performance strategies that they can use. And I'm a big journaler. Part of my uh, the book that, that I'm really, really excited and, and really, really proud to have in there is the, is the digging deeper and do the work section of the books, because after each story, I give a, I give a, a, a journaling you know, prompt there, something that they can reflect on, gain some self-awareness. And then I, I, I lay out the performance strategy. I, I give them a quote, something, something that may bubble up or spark them to do different or do better. It's, it's all about impacting and, and influencing and empowering folks to do the best they can. Well, I think just those little subtle reminders are super important. And right now, especially with um, just all the uncertainty in the world, there's not really set given time when uh, you'll, you ladies will be able to go rodeo again or when we'll be able to go to cutting horse shows again. And I feel like right now, um, just getting those subtle reminders can really pay dividends and be a huge difference and a, and a really positive difference in putting one foot um, in front of the other, so to speak. So I think that's really interesting that uh, the, the journals have played such a, a huge role in that. Larry D., why is mental toughness important in rodeo and, and competition in general? Well, I mean, that's, you know, once you have skills in what you do, you can be, I, I think of it as like when I'm roping at home, I feel like I can beat anyone, you know, like, I mean, and there's those people like that, that are like professional practicers. Like you go to their house and watch them and man, they do great stuff. And then they get, you know, to a competition and you're like, man, that was like a different person there, you know? And, and I feel that, you know, you have to have that mental toughness to be able to be a competitor. I mean, you, there's difference in roping and, and training and all of that and competing. And, you know, the, the great competitors are the ones that are so mentally strong. I mean, like they, they can be at home and miss five calves in a row and enter, go to the national finals rodeo and win, you know, eight out of 10 rounds. That's the mental tough people. And that's, that's the ones, you know, that even in y'all sport, that's the ones that count. You might have some good cutting horse trainers at home, but when, you know, they get somewhere, they, they get a little nervous or whatever and lose a cow or, you know, do something like that. Like it's just something that mental toughness is, I feel it's 50, 50 to me. I mean, I feel you gotta be, you gotta be as physically prepared as you do mentally prepared. How do you also feel that uh, the, the competition has changed that makes it even more important to, for mental t toughness to be 50-50, um, like you said? Well, <laughs> like you guys watched some of those little match opens that we had here at the house, and those three kids were faster than all of us every <laughs> time, you know. It's um, it's crazy how the sport has elevated, and it's it's awesome to see. And I love to see how the kids have you know have have grown so much. You know, they have so many tools. They have these podcasts. They have you know all the machines to rope. They have, you know, they have so much stuff, and they've gotten so much better that you know us as athletes, you know, whether we're old or young the competition is just so fierce these days. It doesn't matter what it's it, you know, it doesn't matter if it's in breakaway roping or cap, what, whatever event it is, you know, probably your guys too. Um, you gotta, you gotta be mentally ready to win at all times because there's nothing easy anymore. I mean, used to in the breakaway, it wasn't as big as it is now. And I mean, if you went to a jackpot, you just go catch four, you win. It's not like that now at all. I mean, you might go catch them all in 2.6 seconds and they might say, thanks for coming. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like it used to be. Well, yeah, we've seen that same parallels in the cutting as well. I mean, this last year at the fraternity, which it's the NCHA fraternity is the three-year-old's first event of their whole life, never been competed on ever before. And it took uh, the highest that it's ever taken to get to the semifinals and the finals as well. And it's it's something that I feel like is is very very important in what what all well all competition, but especially it's getting more important in what we do. 
um, just to compete at that high level. Absolutely. Well, and just like you mentioned, uh, somebody being at home and missing five calves and then just loading up and going to Vegas, I think you look at someone like Lloyd Cox, who's at the top of our sport, and he could probably go miss a cut three or four runs in a row and then go mark a 228 uh, in, in the finals at the Futurity. And that, that right there is what sets him apart from his competition is it doesn't matter win, lose, or draw. Everybody says the same thing. He spits his chew out, walks out, has the same same uh, grin on his face. It, it doesn't really matter, and that's what sets him apart. I think that's super inter- interesting, just the parallels uh, between the two. You know, and if you ask Donine, you know, like um, like how all great athletes, no matter the sport, you know, they have routines, they have, you know, they have certain things you do and strategies, and and that's what she's so good at at explaining and helping people to understand and like when i when i've got really interested in it i wanted to know why why was i mentally tough and what made me at certain times get these you know like a little anxiety or have a little trouble like what caused all my you know the problems that i was having with it and that's why i think she's so great is at what she does is because she can explain every aspect of it to you. I mean, whether you're a great athlete and great competitor, or if you're someone that's had, you know, no confidence, have trouble competing, you know, have butterflies, all that stuff, like she can explain it all in such a great way for you to understand. Donine, was there a a moment where the light bulb went off when you knew like, Hey, I've got to get more tough mentally, or I've, Hey, I've got to realize that I'm, not where I want to be and I, I need to get where I, I need to be. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I was the person that rode, you know, that emotional roller coaster, you know, I win, I'm a winner. I lose, I'm a loser. That type of, that type of roller coaster or the results roller coaster. I, I was very inconsistent, hot, cold, hot, cold. I was, I was a professional practicer, like Larry D just talked about. I crush it at my house, and I, I may or may not do well when I go someplace. And so I, I really did start to read a lot and and follow different different mental performance coaches and, and sign up for their courses. But what really made the difference for me was working one-on-one with a mental performance coach. and. I finally, you know, had that epiphany to, to do that after I was gaining the skill sets with Larry D. I was I was starting to 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 gain some momentum and I was thinking, man, what else can I can I do? How can I keep closing this gap? And and for me it was I think I'm gonna I'm gonna look for a mental performance coach to work with. And and having that one-on-one, that was just something that just shifted everything for me. Someone to talk to, someone that could guide me, just just like Larry D did in my roping. I needed someone to help guide me with my mindset. Books were great, the the, the webinars were great, but I need I needed my hand held, I needed my butt kicked, and I needed an arm put around me sometimes to say, hey, it's gonna be okay. You got this. So. Donine, now that you're a mental performance coach for others, and uh, what is one thing that you see, or is there one thing that you see as a common denominator in all of your students that you've helped since becoming a mental performance coach? The, you know, we're, we're all alike, really, we all. I mean, we're all different, but we all really are alike, and we, we all want to do really, really well. And the one thing that that sticks out in my mind is confidence. And I think a lot of folks have this confidence um, idea wrong. It's it's not a feeling. You've heard it before, right? Ah, don't feel confident. Dang, I felt confident yesterday. Where did my confidence go? I feel confident today. It's not a feeling. Confidence is a state. It's something you do. It's just like um, we could all tell each other our done wrong story. Someone done us wrong. Man, we'd all rally. We'd be angry. 
That's a state. We could do it that fast. Larry D. could tell us a story. It would be funny. We would all laugh. That would be a happy state. We could go from, from angry to happy just that fast. That's how you do confidence. It's a state. And there's things that you can do, things you control that help you to get into that confident state. And in my book, I, 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 I outline it. I don't go really deep like I do when I'm coaching, but there's, there's five aspects, five big points of confidence. And the first is having big body language. And this plays in great with y'all cutting because how do you, how do you ride that horse into the herd? That judge, he can, he can see it if you're confident or not. He can see what's, what's coming. Am I, am I right? Absolutely. You want to okay, it's big body language. Eyes up, shoulders squared, chin tucked, spine straight. Absolutely, you got it. I see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's big body language. And focus. Focus is a huge part of confidence. You want to focus on what you want to have happen and focus on what you can control. And focus, I mean, if you're breathing, if you can use your breath. And I don't know how it is with the, you know, deep into the cutting world, but in the rodeo world, I really think the breath is probably, probably the most untapped resource. There, there's a lot of benefits in learning how to breathe and when to breathe. Another is, is positive self-talk. You know, having that script, what you're going to tell yourself, yep. perspective, how you see yourself, your world, your situation, and then preparation is a huge part. And preparation, a lot of people, and, and it is, it's a big part of confidence. Preparation is, is, is huge. But just think, if you, if you got the, the best horse there and you've done all the work, I mean the hard work, the smart work, but your body language, man, it's weak. And you're focusing on Man, I hope I don't lose a cow. I, I, I hope I, I hope I hope the judge likes me. You know, you're focused on things that you can't control. If your self-talk is terrible, like, man, I don't know. I, I think I'm just outclassed here. And your perspective is, man, I gotta be here. I gotta be here instead of I get to be here. It's not gonna matter how prepared you are and what kind of horse flesh you got underneath yet. Those other four things, they're going to make it really difficult for you to shine. Larry D., how has this, the book, Heart of a Champion, as well as these points that uh, Donin just talked about, really helped you in competing, training horses, and your clinics that you've done? Oh, it's, it's, it's like transformational. I mean, like that, everything that, like that I learned from her and it all it, it all started out as she would tell me all the time all this stuff she's learned from me and how much I've done for her and I'm like man you have no idea what you've done for me or my schools or even my horses my young horses at home like it's just it's changed my whole outlook not only in the arena but on life like just everything is different like I look at things differently I even try to speak different like she said it's not like I don't win and lose. I win and learn, you know, like there's so many things that even when I'm helping the kids, I'll be like, dang, that was freaking terrible. You need to, you know, like I don't say those things anymore. I mean, I, I mean, it was always in kidding them too, but I mean, I, I try to, you know, give them the, you know, the positive always first and then say, this is what you need to learn from what happened right there. And that, you know, like I, I, everything that I do is just different. It is, it, it's transformed every, every aspect of my life. So this might be kind of a weird question, but how do you ladies decipher like waking up on a day where, you know, you're going to work horses, train horses, or what, what do you do differently? I guess I should say, um, on a, on a competitive day as opposed to just uh, another day at the office when, when you are training horses or don't need, what do you think is a important kind of point uh, that deciphers uh, the two of those uh, just different activities? Well, it's, it's having, it's having routines. It's knowing what you're going to do before you're going to do it. I mean, having the, having the end goal, 
you know, working towards that end goal. It's, it's, it begins before it begins. It's having a routine. On the days that you're, you're going to practice or the days that you're going to compete, how I ride my horse, it's going to be the same. I, I visit with my clients a lot about practicing with pressure. You practice with some pressure. Are you practicing to get really good at practicing or are you practicing so that you can compete and get good at competing? Because competing is a skill set. And when you can, when you have your routines, like roping, cutting, you have those routines, you want to work those routines the same, whether you're practicing or whether you're competing. And, and it really, I, that, that, that routines, the routines are what separate the world class from the average. It gives you the consistency. Does that make sense? I mean, yes. you, you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to do it one way in practice, and then, ooh, I'm at the, I'm at the sweepstakes. I'm going to do it this way here, but it's, it's physical, but it's also mental. I'm going to have the same mindset. You know, I'm, I'm going to work, I'm going to work through the practice like I'm working through the competition. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it real similar. Repetition. I'm not going to change it. Yeah, I'm not going to change it up. Larry D, is there a group of ideas or maybe one point specifically that you learned from Donine that you kind of the light bulb went off and you were like, hey, I, I don't even know how I haven't been doing that or I haven't been thinking that way um, all this time. And it just made things so much easier. So is there one specific point or one instance in her book or from her school of thought that uh, just really captivated you? Well, yeah, a lot. I mean, all of it. But the, the thing that like stands out is people that have been um, good competitors and have won and accomplished things. And then you might, you know, everyone goes through, they want to call it a slump, but you know, they'll go through a period of time where they're not doing maybe as well as they think they should. But what I learned from her is it, it was all those things. It's realizing all the things that you do when you're on top. She tells a story. And I don't, is it, who, who is it that had the baseball player um, that threw all the great pitches and then he went back oh. and interviewed him again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, Dr. Ken Revisa, and he, uh, he, he passed in 2018. But, yeah, mental mental coach for all the pro baseball players. And, and so, you know, they'd all come in to see Doc, and he'd have them sit down at his desk and and this one fella, he was he was on top of the world. He's like, man, and he's just going off. And Doc, he's he's recording the conversation. He's recording it. The guy's like, man, I got so much energy, and and now I'm doing this, and I'm and I'm really focused. And 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 Doc, he's recording it. And then the guy comes back in six weeks later, and he's he's in this slump, and. Man, I can't do anything. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had a hit for a long time. And and Doc says, "There's somebody here I want you to listen to." And he puts the tape back in when he was like on a high, when he was doing all these things. And the and the baseball player, he's like, "Oh man, hear my energy, how much enthusiasm I have. Oh, I forgot I did that. Gosh, I stopped doing that. Instead, I started doing this." And that's where a performance journal comes in, is if you can document what you're doing and the differences and the changes you make, it gives you, it gives you that map, that playbook. And so that's how I think about it. It's like that. It's like, you know, when, when, I, when I go and talk to her and listen and see that, then I realize, you know, what I need to get back to. I mean, because most people that are great athletes or mentally strong or whatever they they have all the tools but sometimes we forget to use them and forget what they are and like she said you got to go back and and uh, you know kind of regroup so that's that's why I wanted her to explain that we get so caught up in our most recent accomplishment I know in cutting I, I get extremely caught up in what I did at the last show or what I just did at the show that I'm at and I think that's a very great point is just thinking about like hey I've done this I've done that and I may have not gotten a check the last three shows I've gone to or or drawn a check at the last three ropings I've gone to but 
sometimes that can be the difference in pushing you over the edge and pulling you out of a slump. And well, you, you need to you need to practice like you're gonna compete. And and I mean, there, there's there's time to train when you're practicing. It's you know, are are you practicing to feel better, or are you practicing to get better? And both are good. Both are good, but both is you, you need to know which one you're working on. And it can each each cut. Am I practicing? Is this to feel good or to get better? Am I feeling? Am I gonna? Am I practicing to feel better on this calf to rope, or am I practicing to get better? And sometimes practicing to get better doesn't feel very good, but that's okay. It doesn't have to feel good. Feelings aren't facts. Feelings aren't facts. You you can act differently than how you feel, but it's it's knowing it's knowing what are you practicing for. And, and making a decision, making a plan, and being okay with with messing up. Yeah, and saying that, you know, like at home, there's a lot of times that I rope, and it's all about the process of like what I need my horse to do. And I mean, I I will, I'm just like she said earlier, though. I mean, I feel like I'm swinging my rope the same. Um, you know, my body language, the way my body is. But, I mean, I might need to train on my horse and get him to do a certain thing. Well, if I miss the calf, I, I wasn't focused on catching the calf. I was focused on, you know, making my horse do the certain maneuver. Or my body, like if I was dropping my shoulders, leaving, or doing something, I work on my body making sure I do this thing correctly. Like I'm training that thing. It's like a basketball player you're not going to shoot layups when you've missed six free throws in the last game. You're going to get out there and work on your free throws, you know. And so, I mean, there's a lot of times my practices are like that. And then there's times that, you know, I'll back in there on, say I've been doing that all day, I'll back in there on one or two calves. And like I said, I practice to win right then. Like it's, I make run and see if all my all the process that I was going through paid off. Did I drop my shoulders again? Did my horse get, you know, crossed over into the calf? Did I do all my things correctly? I mean, I back in there and make a, a run and make sure everything was, you know, working. Donine, do you want to talk a little bit about the secret sauce at all? Well, and, and that's, and that is, that is routines, you know, that is routines. And, and, I mean, there there is a lot to your event, to the cutting event. I mean, for one, it's judged, and then what is it? Two and a half minutes? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I mean, there's a lot to it, and and it the the routine. I mean, you're going to have the getting ready routine, but then I'm going to have a really solid routine when I get to the event. I mean, and I have my routine wrote down. I have a process. And it's knowing what that process is. It's, it's not going to be a roll of the dice. When I get there, I know what I'm going to do to get ready. And, and there's, there's, three, there's three transitions. I mean, you have your pre-competition routine. You have your competition routine. And then the, the next routine, the one that most folks don't think about, is the post-competition routine. What's your routine when you get done competing? That sets you up for the next time. That's a super important one. And the routine, I mean, for, for y'all, I mean, I mean, I, I'm just, you, you check me, you check me, but I, I've worked with some cutting horse folks, okay, and competitors, and, and I mean, looking at the herd, right, knowing, knowing what's in there, that's part of your routine, and then what are you going to do with your horse when you're looking for your, when you're looking at that, at the cattle, I mean, you that, all of that needs to be wrote down. The conversation you have with your helper, making sure you're on the same wavelength, that is part of your routine. You need to be really concise and consistent with all of that. How you're going to walk into that herd, that's a routine. Your body language, what are you focusing on? You want to have a soft focus, right? I mean, you're scanning, right? Um, you want to see it all unfold. You want to have that routine down. To where you know what you're going to do but you want to be adaptable and you want to be flexible i know before i compete i have like three things i call them my abc's of focus the three things that i know when i focus on these three things it's going to be successful 
And for me, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's how I ride my horse. Drive my horse bumper to bumper, feel the tip of my rope, take my hand to the neck. I don't know what that would be for you all. You know, it's whatever, whatever means something to you. Having those three things. You don't want to have a big laundry list of things when you compete. You want to trust it. I mean, when you're competing, you want to flip the switch and, and trust it. You also have a really interesting in the cutting. You need to transition. Herd work putting them in the center of the pen and working them if you if you have a poor if you have a poor a poor cut you know it, it didn't go the way you wanted it to you need to be able to let that go because if you're if you're going to work this little cow in the middle of the pen and you're thinking about how that cut went man that is not going to let you perform your best so it's it's knowing how to release there's definitely some differences obviously because they're different sports but i still feel like the competition is 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 the same and, and the way you you f have to prepare for it because i mean there's so many things that you're talking about that i probably don't even realize i think about at the present time but i'm probably going to try to think about them more while i'm doing it um and it's it's just very interesting to me and eye-opening, I guess, to, to hear you say that those things. Just the focus and the preparation and the routines. Yeah, write it down. If you, if you cannot tell me your process, I mean, this from my heart, if you can't tell me your process, you don't have a process. If you can't tell me every detail. Now, will it happen that way? Probably not. But, hey, if you don't know what an ideal cut looks like, if you can't verbalize it, if you can't write it down, how are you going to do it? And that's the same way with the roping. And the breath is so important, you know, using it to your advantage. Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought up the breathing part because that's – I show in the amateur, and I haven't shown cutting horses um, my whole life. I started when I was – about 16 or 17 and that's the thing I find myself not doing most especially at a triple crown event in Fort Worth under the bright lights and Will Rogers I turn around to cut my third cow and it's like I, I don't even I can't even breathe I I'm, feel like I'm about to throw up uh, and sometimes I've missed my third cut kind of had a bobble at the end and I think not breathing has been the reason why um, I've freaked out kind of of sorts uh, at the end of some of my runs. So for me, that's been uh, one of the things I've found myself not doing in the show pen. <laughs> okay. So, so how much, how often do you practice breathing? <laughs> not very often. <laughs> there, there you go. And, and, and the mental performance, it's not a one and done. It's not read the book. I'm done. It's not work with the coach. I'm done. It's daily mental practices. We're trying it, you know, it's working on your breathing daily. It's working on your on your mindset daily. It's working on your focus. There's focus exercises daily. And knowing when you practice that breath and then you get to that situation, you just do it automatically. It, it's truly taking investing time every day to practice those breathing exercises. And there's there's different kinds to, to work, but Gosh, breathing, it can change your brain chemistry. Your breathing, it can slow down your heart rate, lower your blood pressure. It, it connects your mind-body together. And that's why everybody needs to go read Heart of a Champion. <laughs> yeah, so or could, call her for, for some, some uh, mental coaching. Exactly, exactly. Well, Larry D., obviously your accomplishments speak for themselves, being inducted into the 2020 Hall of Fame this year, or the the Texas Cowboy Hall of Fame, correct? Yes. This year in 2020. Um, but what are, uh, what are some of your goals? Because I know that there's been a transition with, uh, you know, breakaway rope, and it's been added to a lot of these bigger rodeos and stuff. So do you still have goals for the future of, of competing and, and whatnot? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel I'll be 49 this year, but I feel I got a few years left to like compete um, at a top, you know, at a top level. And, you know, I'm gonna I, I, I mean, I, I, I set goals. I set them, you know, at the first of every year. And then throughout the year, I usually have, you know, like some small goals that, I, you know, set. 
And, um, you know, I'm just thankful that breakaway roping is getting to where it is. And, and I want to, you know, I want to do well and I want to make it, you know, like I want to do great things for myself, but you know, like at the age that I'm at, you say that I'm on my way out. I mean, I know I got a few years left, but I'm not 17 years old. So I want to make sure that breakaway roping is good for the future. So, you know, a lot of my goals are for, for the up and coming breakaway ropers. You spoke of uh, breakaway roping being better in the future and, and continuing to grow. Um, what, what does it mean um, having the equal money in these ropings, especially for women's roping now? What does it mean to both of you guys? Um, obviously, you guys are both world champions, so, um, yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, breakaway roping is, is they have their chance right now to set it apart because you know for so long team ropers and barrel racers you know they they have fought for equal money and they still fight for equal money and breakaway ropers being it being as big as it is right now and having as many breakaway ropers right now they have the opportunity to to say you know like hey we we want to be a part and we want to do this and we want to do that but let's do it right let's let's just start out with equal money that way we don't have, you know, any trouble and, and in the future, you know, and just keep going, keep moving forward and moving up. And there's been several, you know, several organizations and several rodeos, you know, Fort Worth, look at what they did for breakaway roping and the WCRA and places like that are, you know, they just jump out there and say, yeah, we're going to add, you know, 110,000 or we're going to add 50,000, you know, it's going to be equal for everybody. And that's, that's the people that we need and and the support that we need to this help us to continue to grow. Will you talk about what people have done for breakaway roping? Donine, uh, what, what does it mean to you being able to work with someone like Larry D that is able to empower um, all these women and all these young ladies? The American, I mean, the first round of the American, I think had close to like 500 entries. I mean, what does that mean to you to be able to work with someone that has done so much for the sport and given so much back to the sport and um, really just a great ambassador for, for women's rodeo and, and all in all. Man, when, when I met Larry D, I had no idea. I mean, when I got the, the courage and it took courage to walk up there and ask her a question back in 07. Um, and I write about that. She was larger, larger than life. And, and she is for a lot of women, a lot of folks. She is. And I, I had no idea what the relationship, how it would evolve. And I'm so grateful for the relationship and the friendship. And she, she has empowered me. She has helped me find my voice. And it's very, I'm, I'm very inspired. And, and she makes me want to aspire to be more. It's, it's very cool to be on her friend list. And, you know, for a really long time, I mean, shoot, I thought I thought I needed to win the world to have a friend like Larry D. I mean, that's where my self-worth was at. I thought, man, I need I'm going to need to win the world. Then I can have a friend like Larry D and Hope T and all the other girls going down the road, you know, and shucks. It's not like that at all. These women are genuine. They're authentic. They're down to earth. They, they're encouragers, they're supporters. They want, they truly want everyone to have a fair chance and, and, and to do well. And I had it, I had it wrong for so, so long. I had it wrong, but it's, it's been very cool to be a part of her journey. Well, we wanted to thank Holly DeLon and Abby Barnes of Firebrand Marketing for putting um, the four of us in touch, I should say. Um, Donine, do you want to tell everyone how they can get a hold of Heart of a Champion and uh, make that a part of their repertoire and uh, hopefully contribute to some of their success in the show pin or roping arena? Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's it's for sale on Amazon. It's available paperback and on Kindle. Um, to get a hold of me, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Donning Taylor is my handle. My my. Website is donningtaylor.com. It's 
all real consistent. Awesome. Well, and same with you, Larry D. If if there's a, a young breakaway roper that was uh, trying to get in touch with you, how would they do that? The same way. It's Larry D. Guy. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I got a website. Um, yeah, this, <clears throat> and I. I mean, they can they can look. They can find my number on there. They 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 can contact me many different ways. So, yeah, if they if they need anything, just give me a holler. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you. I think I can speak for tons of people on thanking you for what the both of you have done for Women's Rodeo and empowering uh, ladies and young ladies all around the U.S. So uh, thank you so much, and thank you for coming on the Section K podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Well, Headland, we just wrapped up our interview with eight-time world champion Larry D. Guy and the author of Heart of a Champion, Ms. Donine Taylor. What a thought-provoking conversation. That was a little bit of a different uh, topic of discussion here on the Section K podcast that I really enjoyed. Yeah, it was certainly different. Obviously, uh, our whole podcast is always about cutting, so it was certainly different for us. And then, obviously, having donine on and, and listen to uh some little tidbits and and the way she helps people i mean i've i think i'm always been or i shouldn't say always been big on that but as i progressed in in cutting throughout my life i've always felt that mental preparation like i haven't gotten in depth as as donine does but i always try to do the same thing before i walk down there you know i always take my hat off wipe the set sweat out of the brim and and put it back on and tuck my shirt in and i'm ready to go down there and and it's just kind of like a, a routine that I always do before I, I go down there. So it was interesting to to uh, just listen to her talk. And then I started thinking about things that I do before I go down there, even when I'm working at the house. And um, it's definitely something that I am very interested in. I'm ordering the book right now. Yeah, no, same for me. And that's kind of what I was thinking about. It's like the set before I show, I always go up to the red seats or the blue seats or whatever and sit and yeah. just think and reflect and then right before I go down I look up at like section D or something like that up in the stands and just remind myself like where I am what I'm doing why mm -hmm. I'm there um, so really and truly I've been doing some of these things without even realizing it I think a lot of people probably do a lot of these things without even realizing it and I think it was super cool to have someone like Larry D guy on that is I mean at the top of the sport in women's rodeo and someone that seems like they wouldn't need help from anyone and why would they go yep. look for help from someone and um for her to uh, and it's changed her life yeah feel that the mental game is that crucial in being at the top of her sport and and just kind of seeing her vouch for a lot of those strategies is what really uh hits home for me yeah it was uh yeah it was really really interesting and it's probably gonna be something that i've put more thought into now and i found myself just getting just thinking too much about what she was talking about and what I do on a regular basis. And, uh, and sometimes when, you know, that, that gets changed up, you're all, it always, you never feel ready when you're walking down there to show or something like that. You know, you, if, you know, you run into somebody that you didn't plan on seeing and you get to end up talking to them down there, but it messed up, you know, where you were going to go sit and how soon you were going to go sit there in those red seats or whatever. And, uh, it's, I feel like, you know, it might not affect everybody, but I think there's definitely people that, like ourselves, it's it's going to resonate with, and, and people are going to enjoy this conversation with them. Well, I feel like we didn't really harp on it enough, but Larry D. Guy is a Cowboy Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, she joins the ranks of people like Don Gay, Tuff Hedeman, Ty Murray, Lane Frost, I mean legends in rodeo, and uh, really just the cowboy way of life in general. And in the just, state of Texas. Yeah, and just being able to converse and talk with someone of that stature um, – Really, really awesome, really cool for me, and I can't thank both Larry D. and Donine enough for coming on the Section K podcast. Yeah, once again, um, thank you so much to Abby Barnes and Holly DeLon of Firebrand Marketing. Um, they represent Donine Taylor. Um, and like we said, be sure to log on to your Amazon account uh, during these social distancing times. You've probably watched everything on Netflix, Hulu, every streamable piece of content. So 
sit down and read a book and maybe you'll learn something. So like we said, check out Heart of a Champion written by Donine Taylor on Amazon and be sure to check out all their social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, their websites, uh, Donine Taylor's and Larry D. Guy's. And uh, once again, big thanks uh, to Larry D. Guy and Donine Taylor and everyone over at Firebrand Marketing for uh, making this episode happen. 